golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We will fall to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. Fairways are a little wet out there. Take it easy. Sit back and listen to us. Just have a little caddy shack talk. On the tee with Holly G and Rich B. We'll take you home. Easy down I-4. It's bumpa da bumpa all the way, uh, both directions. So slow down, relax. We'll take you home here on the uh, Golf Insiders. Hats off to Patrick Reed. Big win on Sunday at the Wyndham. Rich B, what a, what a clutch playoff. Hey, what was the most memorable thing about that? The whole thing. His uh, wife, Caddian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I knew you would go there, man. That golf bag bigger than her. She did I don't know how the heck she could how she could carry that thing, but to, uh... just a fantastic playoff between uh, Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth. Who Jordan Spieth? Wow, that that kid can play. Uh, you know, tied it up with some great birdies on thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and I believe seventeen. And you know, when they were standing on the tee at eighteen, you. Probably would have thought advantage Jordan after his win at the John Deere. And he pulls it bad left into the trees, but uh, manages to get it out of there and up on the green and uh, makes a 30-footer for par, flips it back on to Reed to make the birdie, and he just misses it. Then they get to uh, number 10, and... Jordan hits it straight down the middle. And Reed, wide right, almost out of bounds. Has a really tricky lie under a big tree on, I guess, a bunch of leaves. Little uphill lie. Rich B, you got that shot, right? Little knockdown seven. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a little cut, you know, a little cutter, uh, knockdown, uh, hybrid three iron. Yeah, that's uh, Shot Doctor's favorite uh, shot right there. Clutch shot, hits it to uh, just inside what, six foot from the flag? Yeah, I mean, that was recovery. all world, all world. And a Spieth hits it about inside 10 feet. It, what, a, what a playoff. And um, misses the birdie, and Reed drains it for his first win. And pretty emotional, pretty exciting. Um, you think his wife's going to be catting in the future, Rich B? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, he got his first win. Now, that's another first-time winner on the PGA Tour. Congratulations to Patrick Reed. And... His beautiful wife carrying the bag. And, you know, that's got to be pretty special. I'm sure uh, she's got a job for the rest of the season anyway. And the rest of the season now is uh, the top 125 get to go to play at the Barclays. And the uh, the next event, which is in Boston, in, uh, is that the BMW in Boston? 
they cut the field down to a hundred, and uh, yeah, that's part of the uh, the you know the makeup of the FedEx Cup. Well, nobody, there was no change um, outside the top twenty-five. Nobody managed to make top it. Top one twenty-five. Top one twenty-five, and each of the players one twenty-six through one thirty-two missed the cut. So uh, there was there was no change as far as that. Anybody that was on the on the bubble, but uh, you know, big stuff for Patrick Reed. This will get him into the Masters next year. You know, just obviously as we've talked about all season long, changes. You know, changes this guy's schedule, changes. You know his um, eligibility into you know variety of tournaments and uh, just again another uh, another great young player. It's been quite a season and so we move on. Now we're into the playoffs and what do you think, Rich B? Uh, well, speaking of great young players, Holly, uh, they did have the uh, amateur championship as well this weekend. Yes, so it they was did. a trifecta of golf, uh, and you needed three TVs to watch this because they did have the LPGA Solheim Cup. Going on, and uh, that was you know pretty hard to watch. Uh, everybody knows they got drummed by the Euros, and uh, you know uh, the U.S. Amateur is always a great golf event because it is the essence of amateur golf. Amateur, you know, and and that's what it is about uh, golf anyway. Am- on the amateur level, and you played at the senior PNC professional. National Club Championship. Yes. Out at Reunion. Yes. Two-day event? Yes. How many players? I believe there was uh, 50. 50? Maybe uh, 53 or something like that. Strong showing. They had uh, seven spots, and I wasn't one of them. For the national? Yes. So that's the qualifier? Yeah, you get to go up to, like, Washington and uh, play in uh, another qualifier to get into the PGA Senior event next year. So... Uh, hats off to the guys that made it, and it wasn't me. Not, uh, not one of your better. No, you know what? And I figured, you know, this game takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of play. You got to play at a very high level all the time. Just like we were saying about Rod Perry last week, when we had him on the show over uh, from Port Orange after making it into the PGA Championship. He won the national PNC this past June. And it really gives you some appreciation, right, what it takes to get there. And he's done it back-to-back times. Yeah, that's a lot of good golf being played there. You cannot, uh, you know, mess around here at all. This is, you know, a lot of, you know, practice. I mean, the dedication is, uh, you know, it's immense. I was playing a little good golf on Sunday. There we go. We're waiting for you to get there. Playing out at Eagle Dunes. Three tapping birdies Holly G had. And uh, my group turned to me and said... You're Duffnering. You're absolutely Duffnering out here. Did we start something? I think we did. <laughs> You're backing the ball up 10 feet to a But you the know, difference was then I backed it up with a couple of bogeys on top of the birdies. You didn't and, verify um, those birdies? I, I, I won't be uh, <clears throat> changing my day, to, <laughs> day job anytime soon. But uh, beautiful, beautiful greens out at Eagle Dunes. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great golf course. How about you, buddy? Yeah, played uh, Hunter's Creek. Great layout. The creek is still there. And come on down to the Hunter's Creek Golf Club there in uh, beautiful South Orlando. What are the rates right now? $29. Can't beat that. All right, you're listening to the Golf Insiders, 740 The Game. We've got a lot of golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com next.
quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back to Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. Uh, the amateur championship, Rich B, at Brookline Country Club, the historic Brookline Country Club. Matthew Fitzpatrick, 18 of England, curled in a par putt on the 33rd hole to clinch it 4-3 and three over Oliver Goss of Australia. First Englishman since 1911 to hoist the Havmeyer Trophy as U.S. Amateur Champion. So uh, great, for, great for amateur golf, but uh, no Americans in the mix. And these guys are 18 years old. Weekend. Yeah, that's a lot of golf, a lot of pressure, and uh, congratulations. Uh, job well done there. Well, talk about pressure. It's the FedEx playoffs, and this week they are in New Jersey, and we're going to go to Bob Herrick from ESPN.com to give us the scoop. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? All right. It's uh, Liberty National Golf Club. Apparently took a lot of heat for its penal setup back uh, whenever they played there, and was it 09 or something? Correct. Yeah, and um, they have done a lot of renovation. Apparently, yeah, it sounds like they um, they made uh, a changes to thirteen or fourteen holes. Uh, they changed greens. They moved tees. They've, um, I think, they've cut the rough back uh, more of a friendlier first cut. So uh, yeah, a lot a lot of things to soften it up a little bit. Uh, it sounds like these guys thought it was too severe, and uh, maybe it was. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess you know that when, when you're talking about these playoff events, uh, uh, I, I think they might have a point. I mean, the last thing I want to do is beat these guys up um, at this time of year. I think, I think uh, letting them go at it, and make some birdies, is, 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 and then having it be fun is, is probably the way to look at these last four tournaments. We've got 125 players that'll be in the field this week, and then it gets cut to 70 players. Correct? Uh, no, actually, it'll be 100, uh, 125, and then it goes to 100. 100, right? Bank. Yeah, then 70 at the uh, BMW Championship. So, let's look at uh, the obvious, which is you know Tiger. Uh, Coming off um, five wins this year, of course, a disappointing uh, finish at Oak Hill. What's the what? What do you? What's the buzz? What do you think um, about Tiger coming into this? Is he licking his chops? Um, does he like the golf? Course? Does he like the golf course? Well, he didn't really care for it much in '09, but he did tie for second, finished a shot out, uh, a shot back, and that year and. Um, you know, that was coming off a very, very disappointing loss at the PGA Championship just two weeks prior. Um, he did say today that he had an issue with his neck. Um, it, it, he, he, the, Another bad over. hotel bed. What's up with this? Yeah. And, in, in, in you know, for, for, for his back nine of the Pro-Am today, he didn't hit any full shots. So, um, you know, he said he'd be fine, but... Uh, uh, you know, you know, you kind of wonder how that might play in. 
I, I have a hard time gauging how, how much this all matters to him. Um, I think what he cares about is if he's playing in a tournament, he wants to win it. The whole FedEx Cup thing, I don't think he really cares about. I'm not sure these – in other words, if he wins the FedEx Cup but doesn't win any of the tournaments, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that that does much for him. I remember in 2009 when, when he won the FedEx Cup and Phil won the Tour Championship. You know, Tiger won the $10 million. Phil won maybe $3 million. Phil, Phil looked like the happier guy. Tiger looked like he really wanted to win the tournament. So, uh, you know, I, that, that to me is what, sort of the interesting dynamic of the whole thing. It's, it's not every year that you get like we had last year where Snedeker won both at the same time. In 2010, Furyk won both. Actually, uh, the last three it's been that way. Bill Haas won, won both the tournament and the FedEx Cup. It doesn't always work out that way. And, and my sense with Tiger is, you know, he just wants to um, he wants to win tournaments as many of them as he can. Well, of course, that brings around the question about which has been floating around the last few weeks, including a number of times asked at Oak Hill. You know, how will Tiger rate this season without winning a major? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting. His comments today at the Barclays suggested he would he would take say one major and no other wins. Uh, if that had been, if that were the option, uh, but since he doesn't have a major and did win five times, he's not going to say it's not a good year or not even a great year. And let's be honest, it's kind of unfair to say that. Uh, you know, if you, if this is the this is the tenth time he's won at least five tournaments in a year, and. It's amazing. I mean, when you consider that a lot of guys would want that for their career, five wins. I mean, uh, just off the top of my head, Tom Lehman won five times in his career on the PGA Tour. Five times. Tiger did it five times this year. Phil has never won five times in a year. Um, You know, I just just rattle off some names. Uh, VJ did. He's he's like the only guy in Tiger's era that's done that. Uh, Ernie Els never did it. Uh, Greg Norman never won five times in a year. Lots of guys have never done that. So, you know, again, as we've talked about many times, he's sort of held to a a different standard. He's held to his his own standard, you know, the one that he set, which is is kind of unfair. You know, it's uh, it's a heck of a year that he's had here. And and, but because he didn't get get a major, people want to give him a hard time about it. I mean, certainly I think you can give him a hard time about the majors. But you, you can't diminish the fact that he that he's you know he's leading the money list, the FedEx Cup, he won five times. I mean, those if these tournaments didn't matter, he wouldn't play in them. And so uh, I think you kind of have to you kind of have to take that into effect into account as well. Well, of course, the first couple of tournaments, there's you know the opportunity for a lot of movement. Uh, right now, in the top five, we have Tiger Woods, Matt Kuchar, Brant Snedeker, Phil. Bill Haas, and then right outside the top five, Billy Horschel. Yep, uh, and Jordan Spieth not far behind. Uh, uh, there, we'll see a lot of volatility here because while the, the, the points have remained the same, now you're getting five times the points, uh, and, or in other words, the equivalent of five tournaments. Tiger won five times. This year, now, now two, two of the events and the players 
gave him more points, a little bit more points because of it, because they were World Golf Championship events. But in, in essence, a, a tournament win is worth 500 points, so that would be 2,500 points. Tiger got approximately, I believe, 2,800 and some points for <clears throat> winning those five events. If you win this one tournament, it'll be 2,500 points. So basically, they're valuing one tournament win in the playoffs as the same as five wins during the season. So there's going to be some there's going to be some movement. Uh, I think I saw where you could go down to 83rd in the FedEx Cup points, <clears throat> and if that person wins this week, he could in theory go to number one based on depending on what other people do. So you know this is to make their make it be not just about the the regular season. It's it, it, you know the, the system has been criticized, but you know if you want to compare it to other sports. Uh, you know, the the Dodgers look like they're going to have, you know, by far the best record in baseball. But when they get to the playoffs and they, they meet the team that, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the first round, it's going to be best three of five. And that's it. You get no other – you get no advantage other than the fact that you might get home field. But the, you might beat that team by 20 games, but they only have to beat you three times to advance. And so that's sort of the same theory here. You're going to have to perform in the playoffs to, to, to get to East Lake and then to win the whole thing. Yeah, Heath Slocum won the Barclays in 2009. Uh, he set the precedent, jumping from 124th to third in the standings with that one stroke victory at Liberty National. So, um, you know, these, these first couple of tournaments can, can really, you know, can really shift things up. For, for guys who, um, you know, for especially for the guys way farther down, uh, you know, a, a big week in the playoffs can really make a big difference, not just in money, but in, in their careers. Getting to the Tour Championship, getting in the top 30, gets you in the first three majors next year if you're not already in them. And this, that's controversial to, to some degree also because, because the, the, top, the top 30 in FedEx Cup points is not necessarily a reflection on the whole year. You could have squeaked into the playoffs. I believe Ben Crane is 125th. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, that – that kind of suggests that Ben Crane's had a, a so-so year if he, if he just is the last guy to qualify. In fact, it means he's probably had a bad year. Now, if he finishes third at the Barclays, he's going to make a huge jump up in the points, put himself in the position to get in the top 30 with one or two good weeks. And then he's going to be in all those majors next year. That's sort of the controversial aspect to all of this. But yet, for the guys who can take advantage of it, those are the rules, and it's a, it's obviously a great uh, a great thing that sits out there for them. That and it's it's way more than just the money that they're playing for, but also uh, major championship opportunities. Well, that's pretty impressive that they have uh, four tournaments in a row that everybody's going to play in, basically start and uh you know and the, the points are a lot and they're you know they're playing for a lot of money and they, they've got everyone's attention here for the next four weeks that's that to me is the number one uh, uh positive about the fedex cup playoff it, you know we, we can quibble about the points and, and how they're distributed and like you know like last year rory won two of the playoff events but didn't win the fedex cup um you know that can be debated but the, the beautiful thing is we've got all these guys playing right now, and they wouldn't be otherwise. Uh, 
you know, the, before the FedEx Cup began in 2007, everybody scattered after the PGA Championship. Uh, Tiger, Phil, those guys sometimes didn't show up again until the Tour Championship, if at all. They saw this as golf's dead period, and they took off. Now they're playing these sport tournaments, and then I think we kind of all understand that after the President's Cup in early October, it's up to everybody to do what they please, and if they don't want to play, great. You know, we, we kind of understand that golf then really does take a back seat, even though the new schedule is going to begin and there's going to be tournaments that count. It's when we, we understand the big, the big guys aren't going to play much, and we can uh, have a pseudo offseason, and I think that's fine. But right now, we got all these guys playing, and I think that's cool. It's, you know, for the next four out of five weeks, there is an off week in between. For the most part, you're going to have all the big names, Tiger, Phil, Ernie, uh, you know, uh, Rory, uh, the guys who've had strong years. Steve Stricker's not playing this week, but he's going to easily make it to next week. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, all these guys are going to be around playing, and it's uh, – that's good for golf. I don't, I don't see how that is a bad thing. Does it mean much in the overall scheme of things? Probably not, but it, uh, it still is. It, uh, to me, it beats the alternative, which is trying to have a semblance of a golf tour with none of the top players ever playing. We're talking to Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Uh, Bob, so, you know, taking this tournament alone, who, um, who are you looking at in terms of um, the weekend? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think there's a chance for a lot of these guys. Uh, do you have your, well. Do you have your dartboard up, and have <laughs> you started throwing? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I mean, you know, when we we, we are talking about a uh, a very very impressive field, and uh, you know, with it, it's it's basically everybody who played at the uh, uh, oh, say like in the players' championships, save for a few guys, because it's not going to have. It's obviously not going to have the, the international players who are not PGA Tour members. They're, they can't compete. You have to be, you have to be a tour member to do it. But um, you know, I, I you know, it, 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 the, there's the dynamic too of the course not being that familiar to guys. Uh, there's guys who haven't played it. But um, you know, it, it, it's in terms of, of guys who I like, uh, you know, Tiger had some good experience on the course. Uh, Jordan Spieth comes in after a. Uh, a loss in the playoffs uh, just last week, and he's very he's played very nicely over the last two months. Uh, I kind of like to win. I, I picked for our picks uh, this week on ESPN.com. I picked Webb Simpson uh, just because he hasn't won this year. He actually played well here in 09, uh, played well in the playoffs the last few years, uh, and actually was pretty good the last two weeks. You know, had had a decent run at the PGA and at, and at the Wyndham. So uh, I'm going with the 2012 U.S. Open champion. Uh, you, you guys all know how my picks pan out typically. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's who I'm going with. Before we let you go, given how uh, Jordan, you know, has has been playing, do you, do you think uh, Freddie's eyeing him for a captain's pick for the President's Cup? Yeah, it's a really good question and a good issue because because outside of the top ten right now. Uh, I, in the points, and these last two, the, the this week and next week are the last two tournaments before he makes the picks and, and we get the automatic guys. But you've got four guys who played in the Ryder Cup last year who are not on this team: Stricker, Furyk, Bubba, and Dustin Johnson. Now, 
I would probably make the argument at this point that if Stricker and Furyk don't make it on their own, it's probably time to not pick them. They were controversial picks for the Ryder Cup last year, and we saw what happened. I think after that, they need to play their way on, which they still could do. Uh, but if it remains the same, let's say you rule them out. You've got Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson. Do you pick both of them and leave Jordan Spieth out? Or do you pick only one of them and bring in Jordan Speed? I think that's a really, really tough call. Uh, I, I could make the argument that uh, that both Dustin and Bubba should have earned their own way, should have earned their way onto the team. Uh, and you could pick either one of them, leave the other one off, and take Jordan Speed. And wouldn't it be great to get a young, up-and-coming player some experience in one of these things? Absolutely. Uh, on the other hand, I could see where he'd just pick them both. They're both long hitters. In the President's Cup, everybody plays on Thursday and Friday. You can't hide anybody. And having those guys, you know, one day is alternate shot, the next day is best ball. Having those guys in best ball is a, is a great, great weapon. So, um, and, you know, Fred Couples isn't worried about uh, nurturing somebody for the future. He wants to win now. But I think if you took a broader view of it, to me, it's like, wouldn't you want to get Jordan Spieth, who we might think is going to be an up-and-coming player, get him some experience, and that way, if he has a good year next year and it, it makes the Ryder Cup team, he'll have been through this once and he'll have experienced the formats and gone through the emotions of it. On a, and obviously, it'll be a much, much tougher stage at the Ryder Cup. It's just way more intense than the President's Cup. But, you know, if we're talking about it, I think it's an interesting uh, dilemma that Fred Couples has. You know, I think it's, uh, I, I really do. And he could kind of take the easy way out and go with those guys. Or, or maybe they play their way in, and it's not as much of a decision. I mean, maybe he bumps out. Uh, you know, Zach Johnson is, is is right up there. So is Webb Simpson. But if they get bumped out, wouldn't you want to pick one of those guys? Well, you know, I, I think at this point you want to be having some guys who've done this and who you expect to do it in the future. Well, like you said, we got a lot more golf to uh, be watching here over the next month. And then uh, going into the President's Cup, uh, Freddie is going to be, I think, watching these playoffs very carefully. As always, Bob, thanks so much for your time on the Golf Insiders. Bob Herrick, ESPN.com. We'll be talking to you next week, my friend. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 740 The Game. We've got much more coming up. Stay with us. Gary, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G along with Rich B. And Rich, as you know, I was up in Rochester for the PGA Championship and hanging out in my hometown with a bunch of the boys in the press room. And you know what? This guy, I've been trying to, I have been trying to get him on our show for I don't know how long. He's one of the busiest guys in the golf media business. But I got to tell you, this is a resume for how to get into the golf media business. A former stand-up comedian who became a caddy by accident. That's sort of like, sounds like, sounds like your resume, Rich B. He started looping in 1999 on the PGA Tour or actually, I think it was the Nationwide Tour, caddy for Chris Couch when he won the Nationwide. Chris Couch, a, a Gator, I believe. Local guy. Local guy. And uh, now 
one of the stars on ESPN.com, one of our favorite golf writers, Michael Collins. Hey, Michael. You know you can just tell everybody you talk to me, and that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. And I uh, had to take you out of the golf course and, uh, you know, show you a few shots, didn't I? You gave me a little beating, but that's all right. My wounds have healed, and that's fine. And I don't know if I would say my journey into the golf media would be a path I'd recommend people follow. When I first started working for ESPN, they wanted to give me the title senior golf writer, and I had to explain to them that I failed high school English and never went to college. So I wouldn't want to put a slight on to the real and true educated golf writers, even though, I mean, I do write some stuff and people enjoy it, but I'm, a, I'm just a senior golf analyst and a guy who uh, kind of found his way into golf and fell in love and now get to now get paid to do what I love, which is awesome. It is one of the fastest typers with only his index fingers. I'm telling you, I, you know, watching you, watching you blog, Michael, for however bazillion hours that you were online at the championship was uh, pretty impressive. It's funny, Rick Riley didn't think that that was real when I wrote that in my bio. And then at the very first Masters we were at together, he walked by and was watching me do my live video chat. I do something called GolfCast during all the majors. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Thursday and Friday especially, it's pretty much from first ball in the air until end of play that I'm online doing a chat with basically anywhere from – 15,000 to 50,000 people at one time. And they're asking, you know, people who are at work and can't watch and they're trying to sneak what's going on on the golf, on the golf course, they will check into my, to my uh, golf cast. And Rick walked by and saw me typing with two fingers and just started shaking his head going, did, did you ever even take a typing class? And I was like, are you kidding? I used to beat those kids up. <laughs> well, I, I witnessed it as well. And uh, pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, between, you know, your blogs and uh, your chats and the, the great videos that you do on ESPN.com. Uh, what's the most fun about what you do out there, Michael? Well, I mean, for me, it's I just basically get to hang out with my friends. And I, I think what the golfers like the most is that I'm the same off camera that I am on camera. So they know anything. I'm never going to say anything to or about someone that I, would, I wouldn't say in their face. And I think everyone, you know, my, my buddies out on the golf course really appreciate that. And having a voice of a caddy is a voice that has never really been heard before when you talk about analyzing golf and what's going through the minds of guys that are on the golf course, especially the caddies. That's an aspect that no one had ever heard before. So a lot of people liked it. And, and I was just fortunate enough that, that, you know, being kind of a new voice in golf and, and, you know, there are so many in golf that would say are, are vanilla and plain. I'm not that. I'm kind of the opposite. Like, I believe that golf is fun and it is a game. And it's okay to make fun of yourself and make fun of the game when you do stuff that's stupid. And I think a lot of people appreciate that because there, there normally isn't that side of golf. Well, let me ask you a question. What was Patrick Reed's wife thinking as they were on the verge of their first victory? And my gosh, I, you know, you could put two of her in that bag of his. <laughs> I think the first thing she was thinking was I need to change the pin number on the ATM card. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that little 10% for the candy win thing, that's just not going to fly <laughs> right there. So, nah, I mean, it's funny. All my buddies that I talk to, like, I got my win on the Nationwide Tour, which is now the Web.com Tour, um, with Couchy at the Tour Championship. But every guy that I talk to on the PGA Tour says that you you kind of don't realize what's going on out there. You know, you don't really think about it because – you're focused so much on what your guy is doing on the golf course that it's hard to kind of go to stand on the 18th tee and look around and go, oh, my gosh, we're about to win or we're going to get this great big checker. Like, it's hard to see that. So you're so focused on what's going on, you almost lose that moment, at least the first time. Well, and absolutely, I mean, it sounds like, you know, she's a good golfer as well. They practice and play together. She's a truly a member of, you know, of the team there. And that, uh, you know, she's she's really helped them get to this next level. Well, that's the amazing thing is that, you know, when you hear a guy say, when it comes down to it, if the putt's, you know, six feet or more, and she reads it and I read it, if our reads are different, I go with her. And she's right 80% of the time. So that's just something that tells you the trust that you have to have in the caddy. And when things aren't going perfect, that's another thing you got to think about. They're still going home together. They're still going to afterwards then be, you know, sitting at dinner, and you got to hope you're not looking across from one another going, yeah, that read was so bad. Yeah, I, no no doubt about it. That's a whole lot of extra pressure. It's, so, it's sort of like me having to sit here with Rich B. every Wednesday, you Michael. You know, Michael, I love your resume. It sounds very familiar, uh, you know, the typing bit and uh, the whole nine. You know, and I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, and that's why Holly keeps me around because I'm the color guy. I'm the color analyst on this show. And uh, Holly, actually, you know, I can see her fingers, you know, cringing. And, you know, when as soon as I open my mouth, sometimes she gets very nervous. But uh, I appreciate your slant. And uh, I, I agree with uh, your 100 percent, man. I, you know, the caddy's view is cool. Well, thanks, man. That means a lot, you know, and. It's funny, I I just did a video on ESPN.com talking about kind of the the irony that the PGA Tour treats caddies like they're employees, even though they don't pay caddies, and they're not their employees. And the response that I got back from caddies was just amazing on Twitter and text messages and whatnot. It was just, it was one of those things where it kind of just made me nod my head and go, okay, you know what, I am doing the right thing. And And I like having a voice for people that don't have a voice and the caddies really didn't have a voice publicly and it's cool to be able to give them that voice and then for just a casual listener when i used to do play-by-play on the pgh Tour network people were calling all the time be like who is this guy who used to caddy on the pga tour and he's saying all these things that no one else talked about before and that's kind of cool too and they're taking away your caddy races michael what's up with that that's the most ridiculous. <laughs> Talk about, you know, taking the fun away. Come on, Tim. You know, the, you the, go. the thing that cracked me up, and if you if you want to, if you go on ESPN.com slash golf, you can just search Michael Collins and my videos come up about them taking the races away. The irony of it is that the reason they said the, the reason that was given that they were taking the caddy races away was because they developed a concern for caddy safety. They developed a concern, which means they didn't have that concern before. But caddies now running 150 yards, they're suddenly concerned about caddies' health, which is ironic because the caddies 
are are given a stipend for health insurance money, which is two thousand dollars, and that money then is before taxes. So twelve hundred dollars after taxes. Now, if you're married and have two kids, you know how much twelve hundred dollars is going to get you worth of health insurance? <laughs> it ain't pretty. Maybe a month. Maybe a month. And you ain't getting health or de- you're not getting dental or eye care with that either. So if these guys are so concerned with the health of caddies and concerned with the safety, then how come there's no caddy pension fund? There's no did you know that? There's no caddy pension fund. I, so the guys that are making a hundred million are then after they're done playing gonna get another check for a million dollars a month as compared to the guys who are required to be there and not employees uh, technically employees from the PGA tour. They're not getting anything. So these guys, once they shut it down, have nothing. They got yeah. nothing. To, and some of them die penniless and alone. And they're going to talk about you're concerned? Come on. That's a, that's a smoke screen, and that's where I call bull. I'll tell you what, Michael, that could be a whole nother hour you here. Know, this guy's good. We've we got to have him back. We a- definitely. We absolutely will. He's uh, really a, a breath of fresh air uh, on, on ESPN.com. Michael Collins, thank you so much. We will have you back on real soon. Anytime. And we can actually we can actually talk golf next time. We can talk about what's going on on the course. We will, buddy. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're Thanks listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. Stay with us. Uh, we are wrapping things up here. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments. None of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really I got good We're back. The Golf Insiders right. taking you home on the fairways of I-4, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk. Rich B, we spoke to uh, this guy last week from Global Golf Post. He was at the Solheim Cup watching every minute of it, reporting on all the great matches and... Boy, the Europeans really, uh, really spanked the USA, eighteen points to ten points. And uh, but we, but we got to see some great play and some new rising stars, both on the American team as well as the European squad. And we're going to go to Steve Eubanks to uh, give us the wrap up. Hey, Steve. How are you, Holly? Awesome. Hey, sorry we ran a little long here. We got about five minutes. There's so much we could talk about, but. Um, just you know, give us your your uh, thoughts on what went down on Sunday and uh, how great the Europeans played. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, obviously there are going to be there going to be a lot of um, sort of post mortems on what happened to the American team and how it, how the uh, European team made did, did so well. Uh, but but it's quite frankly, it's very simple. I mean, they made the putts down the stretch that they needed to. Now you can call that closing you can call that guts you can call that whatever you want to call it but there were a lot of matches where the u.s either led or they were all square on the 15th hole uh, and they lost the majority of them so uh you know that i don't know what that says but uh, they were not able to play 16 17 and 18 the way the europeans were throughout the course of the week absolutely agree and um you know really Im- impressive some of those matches of course um uh, Anna Norquist, Anna Norquist beating out uh, well, Stacy Lewis not playing. I think one of her you know best best uh, matches, and then you had the um, you know it just the, the the new young players on the European side, 
Uh, just give us some sense of how some of these these girls played. I got to tell you, my my new favorite player is Charlie Hall. I mean, it, she plays the game so naturally. I mean, when you're out there, it's it's as if um, there is no, there's nothing technical about it. There's nothing um, really that you can tell she's not doesn't have any swing thoughts. She stands up there and says, "Okay, I need to get the ball from here to there," and she does it. Um, and I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful to see. I think the dynamic that she brings to the game, she's just so vibrant and happy and, and really is a, a, a great natural talent. It reminds me a lot of when Rory McIlroy first burst out on the scene. I mean, there was a lot of just a lot of God-given ability there. And uh, you have the same with Charlie. I think that the, the great thing about Charlie, too, is her father doesn't play golf. So there hasn't been a lot of pressure. There hasn't been a lot of expectations uh, she's just a kid who loved it and went out and learned how to play. Yeah, she was very impressive. And then Caroline Headwall going 5-0 and uh, and having that great match against Michelle Wee. I mean, she, she is the, she's the tiger in that team moving forward. Boy, she really is, isn't she? And, I mean, I think it was, it, it was almost a, a classic sense of, of this had to come down to her putt. I mean, the way she played that 18th hole, which was incredibly difficult all week, especially on Sunday. I mean, uh, on television, you couldn't get a sense of the elevation change from the fairway, but none of the players had any idea where their approach shots were coming down because of the, the, the elevation of the green. So it was uh, to, for her to stand up there, hit that shot in there, make a birdie the way, the way she did to end up winning that match. It was really the perfect way, I think, to end, uh, the, the, end the cup. And then look at a couple of other players on the U.S. Uh, squad. This Lizette Salas, uh, she Lizette really, Salas, uh, yeah. I think, was an unexpected surprise. She was, a, she was an unexpected surprise primarily because she hasn't won an event. Uh, there was a lot of questions. I mean, she, she, you know, she's had some great plays. She's had some, a lot of top ten finishes. Everybody knew she was a good player. But there was always a sense of, look, this is a person who hasn't won. Uh, you know, what, how are they going to respond to Ryder, to a Solheim Cup pressure? She did extraordinarily well. But I have to tell you, Holly, my, the biggest surprise for me was it was a girl that I hadn't thought about for a second prior to these matches, and that was Jarena Pilber, who, I mean, I don't know if anybody knows anything about her. She was the longest hitter in, this, in, in these matches by a mile. Everybody talked about how far Lexi Thompson hit it. No, no, no. The longest hitter out there was Jarena Pillar. It wasn't even close. And uh, to watch her play has really been fun. And what were your thoughts on how Lexi played? You know, Lexi's got to work on her putting. Um, obviously, there's a, lot of, you know, there's a lot of pressure being in this situation, and she's very young. Uh, but, you know, usually you're a, you're a better putter you, you, when you're young than you are when you're older. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that, that she can spend enough time around the greens so that the short game ends up matching up with the long game. And when it does, she's going to be a world beater. Uh, overall, how would you rate the Solheim Cup? We won't even go into the officiating thing. We don't have time. But, uh, you know, how were the crowds out there? How was Denver? Uh, it was fantastic. I would, I would put it Ryder Cup as 110,000 people for the week. That was almost comparable with what we had in Chicago. Wow, that's, that's very impressive because obviously people coming from uh, – you know, from all parts of the country as well as all parts of Europe. So, was it was it pretty balanced? Did they did the Europeans have a lot of uh, a lot of crowd support? Well, you know, given that it was in Denver, yes, I think that it was it was uh, as as you would expect a uh, predominantly American crowd, predominantly hometown crowd, but a lot of very loud vocal Europeans out there. And uh, what were you know the comments on the of, of Meg Mallon in the press room in terms of now what do they look for uh, in? In uh, 2015, 
magnanimous as always. Meg's one of the nicest people in our game. Uh, I think she was. She, she really felt as though, even though she was disappointed in not winning, that this would go a long way toward elevating the women's game in Europe. And I think she's right on that front. Uh, obviously, she was very pleased with a lot of the young talent, and she thinks it's going to just get younger as the years go on. Well, and it'll put the fire in the belly of the Americans. There's no doubt about that. Don't you think, Rich B? Yeah, you know, after you oh, get beat yeah. after you get beat in one of these kind of events, oh, yeah, the next time around you, uh, you have a little different, uh, you know, uh, outlook as to what uh, you want to get done. Steve Eubanks, thank you so much. Check out Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com. You can get it free every Monday morning. Great coverage. Thank you so much, Steve. Unfortunately, uh, not the result we were looking for for the Solheim Cup this year, Rich B. But, um, hey, you know, better luck in 2015, but a great job by the American gals. And that wraps it up for this hour. Stay with us uh, next week when we'll be talking about the Barclays Championship and be watching this weekend. Go play golf. Take care. We'll see you next week.